Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, So and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week we got the Dolphins being three and zero on top of the AFC East. The Hurricanes embarrassed themselves and the rest of South Florida. And we're bringing you a great preview of Thursday Night Football with our guy from the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Yo, you know the vibes out here, homie. Ooh, what you know, vibes? You know these 70, 1972 vibes out here. I, mean, I guess I don't know about 72. I know more about 1992 than I, I ever mean did about 72. What's up with my mic? I don't know, but you can mute that. There you go, uh, doggy. Undefeated, never lost. Like my man said, <laughs> uh, the ball that right. But honestly, bro, uh. this this was a really, really, really impressive win, dog. A real impressive win. Um, oh, we we're beat- just talking Dolphins off rip. We're not going to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Nah. That we got we got some other stuff going on right now in this nah. production, in the nah. studio. Let everybody watch it on the YouTube channel. I Go mean- subscribe right now because we're going to start putting these things out here immediately after we record them. So my man's behind the... ATEM doing his thing. Trying to, dog. I'm trying to do look my thing. You, look at you. It's looking tough. at me while it, you're pressing the button. I, I know. I'm trying to be slick with it, but it's going to be a learning curve, so bear with us. I'm, Please oh, do I'm not. I'm bearing with you. Do not. You know what? Bring it. Bring the hate. <laughs> I don't even care, dog. If the production quality shit, let your boy know, but it's not. We're stepping our game up. Absolutely uh, not, just trying man. to bring a better product at the end of the day. And yes, I'm really sir. excited for this new toy. As the producer of the show, ahead, man. we got a new toy, do and I'm, I'm very excited You know, for what we got going hey, on right here. I mean, I'm all for production value, you know? Shout out to Davey uh, for hook, sending us in the right direction. And then, of course, to you for taking on this big task, dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we just lost the camera. So let me take care of that while you, while you get us started. But yeah, let's go. Uh, let me just say this before go you ahead. get going. 3 and 0. Yes. If you haven't already, make sure to go check out OnlyFans available now. Right now. A Dolphins post game show presented by Sports with So Right now. Uh, also, we got Tuna Martin on there. Um, where you know we're getting a lot of great feedback on that show. You know, sometimes people don't have the time to watch the whole entirety of the game, True. and they just see the final score and don't know exactly how it led to that. Um, we give you that full, you know, breakdown and analysis, and we try to keep it, you know, brief with 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, and then we're going to give you some more breakdown right here, right now. Absolutely, and more importantly for OnlyFans, like we're it's called OnlyFans because we're fans ourselves, right? All of us, different stages of being Dolphin fans, right? But definitely fans and um you usually don't get that same type of reaction when you're listening to other post-game shows or you're listening to guys from espn or nfl network they don't really talk about the things that matter the most to us and we definitely do that on only fans um let's let's bring it back to this big victory that the dolphins had you mentioned the three and oh uh standing that we currently have right now uh being one of the only undefeated teams in the nfl is that correct yeah. Well, sorry, there the audio is. issues. Yeah, on the AFC side, on okay. the NFC side of things. I said uh, in the NFL, there's so, still who, who's still the undefeated on the NFC. It was, I was just thinking about it the other day. Doesn't um, matter. Well, my point with that is that the Miami Dolphins are one of the undefeated teams in the NFL, 
And they did that by beating the Buffalo Bills 21-19 in a very hard-earned victory, okay? The other undefeated team is the Philadelphia Eagles. There we go. That's yes. who it is, the, the Eagles. Um, but the Giants have a chance to be another undefeated 3-0 teams tonight because, of course, Monday Night Football is still happening. When, when we talk about this Dolphins game, right, not only in the current and in the future, a lot of people are going to point to this game as being the measuring stick or at least this is the, the the period where the everything started to shift for the Dolphins, right? We had that comeback victory against the Ravens, and there were a lot of questions about how we came back. Did Tua really have it? Did he have control of the team? Were we going to be able to win consistently against big teams and good games? And immediately, we showed in this game that not only we can take a team's very good first punch because the Bills drove right down in the in the start of the first uh, first half, right down the field, and continued their current streak of being the, of of eight straight games leading with a touchdown on their first drive, and we had a chance to stop them. Xavier Howard had that penalty, really set us back, gave them a fresh set of downs. They ultimately got it on the fourth and goal, and they scored. But immediately after that, we saw the Dolphins respond, right? Well, before the response, how did they score? They scored with the pass to Singletary. What what down was it? Fourth down. Fourth and goal, to be exact. You know? So, so it took it took a fourth down play for them to get it in the end. We stopped them on that third down. Defense yep. looked amazing and it was like, all right, we hold them the three points. But McDerm excuse me, McDermott had other plans. He said, Let's go for it. Kept Josh Allen on the field, and Smart they had that, that breakdown in coverage. They took advantage with that that pass to Singletary. So. And then, like, the very next possession for the Dolphins turns into a three and out, not what we're looking for, right? We kick the ball. We pin them inside their 20. And I say we pin them inside their 20 because that's ultimately where the Bills started a majority of their drives. That's why you look at their stats, and their yards are crazy. Um, their time of possession is crazy because yeah. they had to go the length of the field almost right. every single time to try to score on the Dolphins. But the defense stepped up early, earlier than what I expected them. You know, um, Javon Holland makes a play, gets uh, that blitz in, gets to Josh Allen, hits him, hit the ball comes out, and Melvin Ingram is there yet again to pick it up. Guys in the right place at the right time. Always. And then immediately we saw a, a kind of like a FU to the Bills because we try to punch it in every single time. We didn't try to throw the ball into the end zone. We tried to punch it in. And ultimately, uh, Chase got the first of his two touchdowns on the day to tie the game up. And when I saw that, I was like, yeah, we're not we're not afraid of this team anymore. Like, the, the coaching staff is not afraid of them. The guys on the field are not afraid of them. And it was on from there, bro. And it was a real good game. You know, we saw it go back and forth between the both teams. Ultimately went into the half 14-14. And then I think that's when the real story of the game started. Well, that was when Tua got hurt going mm. into the half. And then uh, things got a little a little woozy there, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, his knees buckled after that hit. And... We it's saw Teddy scary. Bridgewater come out, and I did not like what I saw with Teddy Bridgewater out there. No offense. I mean, I know he was just coaching Northwestern on Thursday. He says he wants to be a coach. Maybe he has his sights set on that, and he's forgot how to be a player because those two plays, man, it, it, he looked like a deer caught in the headlights. I mean, for anybody who thought that Teddy B was going to be the answer or take over to his job, you just got a quick lesson as to why he's not. Because in the line of fire, when things get hot and you have to perform – he didn't show up, and it just looked bad. He two incompletions, right? Zero yards, zero nothing. Like, just like if he didn't play the game. 
And I don't know about you, but me personally, I was kind of hoping that Tua came back immediately in, yeah. in the third quarter because there was no way we were going to win this game without him. You know, um, I was shocked because the way I mean, I know that you'll get into this with Frank and from uh, the unofficial Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Yep. Um, you know about this, but you know, I was surprised that you know they even let him back in, especially with how stringent the NFL concussion protocol is. Mm. So it was it was surprising to see him, but ultimately it was important that he did come back. To so that we can we can actually close that game out and win, and he did throw the game winning touchdown in the end for sure. And like you know, we saw that today there was a uh, an inquiry made about the Miami Dolphins and their ability to adhere to the concussion protocols, and that type of stuff is scary, man. Whenever you see somebody get not necessarily rocked, right? Because he didn't get rocked, he got pushed and he landed uh, kind of flat on his back, and his head hit the ground really hard. Yeah, snapped back and hit the turf really hard. And like when he wobbled, I was like, "Damn, that's kind of like getting punched really good." And saying, "Yo, I'm okay, but your legs are not okay, and your brain is not matching what your body wants to do." Right. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy that he made it back. Yeah, you know, dude, and he didn't course. show any signs moving forward of like. Eh, that's kind of questionable. There was a couple times he made a couple throws yeah. where it was like, is he okay? Like, I don't know if that was the right Yo, you idea. Straight? Or did you just make that throw because you wanted to make that throw, right? Yeah, like there was the one that, that um, Martin was talking about yesterday that after the OnlyFans, after we recorded, um, where he threw it to Milano, and that would have been the game-clinching pick six. Yeah. He threw he underthrew it into, like, double coverage. It was a linebacker that had dropped back in the coverage. Like, you got to see that coming, you know, and that, that right there, was one play where I was like, damn, I don't know if he's all there. But I'll blame that on two things. Number one, play calling. I don't think that was the right play call. We should have been running the ball a little bit more at that time, right? Um, and we we all talked about it on OnlyFans. But more importantly, I think it was a miscommunication on what the route was going to be. Because if you look at the replay, um, the I forgot if it was Hill or Water that was running that route, but he turned around like three yards too late. It was Tyreek. Right? And it looked like the play was a, a button hook. And he just either didn't think to go the full seven yards instead of the five, or maybe he did 10 instead of seven, that type of stuff, you know. But you're right. Tua has that knack of throwing it to the other team every now and then. Thankfully, the Bills have a lot of sloppy hands on their plate because they weren't able to pick him off. Um, he ends up the day 13 of 18, 186 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, took one sack for seven yards, QBR rating of 79, and an overall rating of 123. Um, not the stat-blowing day that you wanted, but if you think about it, he was the one who made the huge play. You know, um, In the fourth quarter, the Bills were able to drive the ball on us. Have they been able to do all game? And they kicked the field goal to go up 14, uh, 17 or 14. And then at that point right there, we saw Tua continue to emerge as a real deal primetime quarterback. Because with 11 minutes left, you know, on a third and 22, he finds Jalen Waddle wide open in stride, puts it on the money in order to put us in a position where we can go ahead. And, um, Man, I, for a guy for a guy who had his questions about Tua and whether he can make the throw uh, on the prime time stage when he needs to make it, he's been shutting a lot of people up, including myself. And he's got another prime time stage this Thursday night when he yes, takes sir. on the Bengals. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good test right there because the Bengals have had a kind of a shaky start. Yep, and they got a short week just like we do. So it, it's it's all fair. And and look, a lot of the injuries that we're both suffering on have to be you know really accounted for especially on the offensive line 
right? Like, um, we saw Armstead get put onto the list. Yeah, well, mo- uh, most, of of guys, most, most of the starters. Most of the starters took the day off today. They didn't really practice to uh, Tyreek right. and those guys. But, yeah, the concern is is Armstead, you know, one of our O-linemen. I think that's just more of, like, you did your job. You deserve the rest. Correct. Um, but we did see, uh, was it Justin Hunter? Or Correct. I think uh, he... he no Turner, I think. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he's hurt right now. We got it. We got a few guys that did pop that up. Out. The, Jones, Brandon Jones popped up on the injury report. That correct. We didn't see that, so we'll see. It, we're gonna see, and um, you know, but the the point of that was to to kind of highlight the offensive line and really give them their well deserved props for these first three games because they've had a little bit of a mishmash of like, oh, this guy's hurt, he's playing. Now this guy's at guard, he's at no, he's gonna be right tackle, he's gonna be right guard. And they've done a real good job of keeping Tua standing up. You know, that first game we gave up a lot of sacks to the Patriots, we looked whack. But ever since that game in the in those follow two in the next two games against the Ravens and we and against the Bills, we saw Tua standing up. We saw Tua not running for his life on every single play. One sack for seven yards against that nasty D line that the Bills have. That's impressive, bro. They were missing a few guys. We're gonna make sure we not on the D line. They they were missing they a, fell a in few the game. guys in the in the the secondary that would normally make those like you know they would do like those safety blitzes and stuff like that. Those corner blitzes. So all I'm saying, uh, Taron Armstead, Connor Williams, and Rob Hunt all pitched perfect uh, pass pro clean sheets. No pressures allowed in the game. Nobody allowed more than two for Miami. Two was on the pressure just five times on five back uh, dropbacks. Again, uh, that's you, we can point out to the injuries on the defensive uh, end of the Bills, but their strength is on that defensive line. And we saw Rosso um, from the Hurricanes um, tear us up. He, ter- he literally ter- tore up the Dolphins' offensive line because he was a beast. And the fact that they only had one sack on this dude is impressive. Vice vice versa, we we got four sacks on on Allen, not for a lot, a lot of yards, eighteen yards, but hey, that's four sacks. That's him not getting first downs, and we saw him sure. kill us with his legs. Yeah, on did. that especially, first down, and especially late in the game too, man. Late in the game, we just could not bring the the, the guy down. Yeah, bro, he just kept extending drives and making these. St- what what do you have the stats there, right there in front of you? Yeah. What was the third down efficiency for for the? Uh, for the Bills, because I feel like they got pretty much almost every first down after the first quarter. Well, at first, at Sorry, first, every they, third down. Yeah, every at first they were like zero and four on third downs, and then they were like two of six, and then they started to get more third downs, obviously because they had the ball. But they ended up eleven of eighteen. Mm. Compare that to the Dolphins, three of eight. Mm. You know, um, time of possession. You want to look at that stat, which was a lot of people oh, were looking was, at. They had the ball for three quarters of the game, forty minutes to nineteen minutes. But if you just look at efficiency. The Dolphins were efficient. Tool was efficient. The running game was efficient. The offense was efficient. And, you know, yeah, say what you want about the humidity really taking its toll on the players. Guess what, man? You got to play the game. And when your number is called, you got to step up. Yeah, but, you know. The, Yo, you got to play the game. But the other thing that helps us out is that our side of the stadium is completely shaded. So what? And those fools are all in the, the, the hot sun. I don't care, man. The defense was on the field for 40 minutes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. The defense was on the field making tackles, which is reactionary football, much more draining, much harder to do to chase a guy rather than to, rather than to be the guy running the route or being chased, right? Sure, sure. You know where you're heading. You know where you're trying to do. The defense has to react. They're tired. The defensive line trying to bring down Josh Allen all game. That shit is hard. 
You know, and he got away a couple of times where the yeah. big dudes had a hold on him and he still got away. Agba, Phillips, um, Wilkins had him once or twice yeah, and he got he away. he had over 40 yards rushing. Yeah, bro. He Like, he did his thing. This was a very, very impressive win for the Dolphins. Not only is it the first time uh, and, you know, first win against the Bills in the last eight matchups or seven matchups. We're now one in seven against them in the last eight games. Uh, but first time since 93 that both teams meet for the top of the AFC East. Oh, yeah. That early in the season, you know, where both teams are 2-0. and Such an impressive win. Like you like you said, uh, a quick turnaround against the Bengals. That's going to be tough. Uh, even though they're 1-2, and two, they've played good football. And if Burrow can really have time to throw the ball, he can find one of those three sick receivers that they have and really hurt the Dolphins. So we're going to have to do a good job of getting everybody healthy, right? Getting everybody some good rest, maybe limiting some practice between now and, and Thursday night and um, play clean football because mistake-free football is the way to be, man. Oh, yeah, man. No, we got, we did. We got to get it done. 4-0 sounds a lot nicer than 3-0, baby. Yes, sir. Bro, 3-0, dog. Like, come on. We, we did the Dolphins preview and neither one of us had it realistically starting the season three and oh we we had this well, you game. know ah, bro, you know on, i got on, them winning on. every single game this i season. understand that but let's be real you know when we're looking at the schedule we're like all right these games are going to be tough and the dolphins no matter what are going to get through this first quarter of the season three and one worst case scenario possibly four and oh in those first four games where we were like yo this is a real tough stretch the rest of the freaking uh schedule it looks like a cakewalk this is compared to what we just went through. Yeah, bro. I mean the the next tough one. I mean we have the Bengals now this week. Uh, we have a looming Pittsburgh Steelers team we got to play. But the other guys were on that list. I mean we play the Browns this year. Uh, we got to play the Jets twice. We, <laughs> we, got, Jets. we got another game against the Patriots that you know we I think we could take that as well. So there, there's a lot of good games out there for us to go up and go. Oh the Texans, the struggling Texans team. You know there's a lot of good games that are up for grabs for us. So now you're looking at this this schedule and you're like, all right, there's there's games that we can win here. You know, uh, Bengals, Jets, Vikings, Steelers, all teams that we can beat, all teams that are looking not their best right now. If the Dolphins can continue to keep playing clean football. Find the running game. Find the, that running game and get Chase and Mostert more carries, maybe 10 carries a, each a game. Oof. Bro, this team could be scary, man. And the fact that everybody keeps sleeping on us is a godsend. Right now, right now, we're underdogs against the Bengals. Go bet the Dolphins right now. They don't believe in us, they dog, don't believe but in guess us. what? Go bet the Dolphins right now. Guess who does? Guess you who and did. I, Papo. God did. <laughs> So does Soso and Joel. Just hey, so listen, know. not for nothing, but I really had to score peg this game. 21-17 to 17, up until that weird-ass butt punt, whatever you want to call it, that gave the bank, the Bills two more points. I would have had it on the money, 21-17. Yep. to 17, So um, let's predict this this game, too. Um, I know you got a dub. I got a dub, too. Yeah, I got, obviously, the, the Dolphins winning coming off a short week. I'm going to say this win right here is going to be... I'm going to say we're going to win this one 27 to 23. Clean, clean. And uh, for my prediction, you're going to have to stick around to the end of the podcast because that's where we're going to give you my interview with our dog, Frank, from the unofficial Cincinnati Bengals podcast, unofficial Bengals podcast. You guys can find him on Instagram and Twitter. Go check his workout. Real good. Um, Bengals insight. And we gave you guys an amazing preview for Thursday. So go check that out. And let's jump into the hurricane. Oh because my God! Why would you want to do this? No, that, I gotta, bro? gotta, I gotta get this off my chest. You know, I gotta get this off my chest. You know, because I've been battling with this since Saturday. 
Um, and I don't want to. I don't want to have this mistaken or like come down too hard on the kids because at the end of the day, they're young collegiate athletes. Granted, some of them are making money, some of them are not, but they're not professionals. So, man, fuck them kids. <laughs> fuck out of here, man. Middle but, Tennessee, really? You're gonna lose to Middle Tennessee after the loss you just took on the road to? You're not upset about what just happened at Texas A&M, and you're gonna come to Middle Tennessee at home. You're gonna have them come to you at home, and you're gonna let them beat you? Nah, not beat you. Embarrass come on, you. son. If if. If those guys aren't walking around today feeling embarrassed, feeling like they've let people down, feeling like they did not give their all, like they were not self-prepared, then something is wrong after you. <clears throat> because it's one thing for, for Mario Cristobal to get outcoached. He did. <clears throat> he got totally, totally out coached. And you know damn well he got out coached when the other coach is coming out and saying it was a butt kicking. No fluke. We were the tougher team today. That's bad. That means you got your ass kicked. Okay? So there's no way that Crystal Ball can get away from that. But for the kids, those young athletes, if you're not feeling any one of those emotions that I mentioned earlier, then you're not here to be a, a part of the you. You're not here to be part of that rebuild that needs to happen here at the U because there's no way that you play like these guys played on Saturday and not feel like that. You end up losing to them, right? In such an embarrassing form and form that we haven't seen that type of loss since 2003. You know, first time that middle Tennessee wins a, a game ever against an AP ranked opponent. And it's the Miami Hurricanes. And they're also 3-0, and aren't they, against the Hurricanes? I'm tired. I'm tired of being the ones that other teams make their fucking history on. Mm. I'm tired of being that team, Woody. So, for everybody who looks at Cristobal and says, Well, coño, this guy's going to be here for 10 years. He signed an $80 million contract. Neepy. And you know what that means. Neepy. Because there's no way that you take 10 years of this type of performances. Hell no. Hell no. I don't care what the buyout clause is. I mean, I don't understand, man. First game to come out guns blazing, that first game. Listen, listen. I'm sorry to cut you off, Doc, but uh, there's no way that these guys schedule Middle Tennessee State, uh, State after the Texas A&M game thinking we could possibly lose this game and we can use this game to bounce back and head into ACC play. And you fucking come out here and put a performance out like that where Tyler Van Dyke, whatever it is that that kid is going through, it's obviously affecting him on the field. But yeah, you're rolling him out there when the guy can't even get the ball out of his hands. That's on crystal ball. They hurt. They, the fans were saying, bring in Garcia. We want Garcia. We want Jake. Three minutes later, he's in the game. What's that doing to TVD's confidence? What's that doing to the rest of the team? Who's our leader? Who's the guy? This, this is shit that like, forget about the money, forget about the X's and O's, forget about the recruiting. This is what affects the program because you're the one in charge here and you're the one who's going to set the foundation, right, for how the rest of the years are going to go. They cannot go like this. They cannot go like this. We haven't even started ACC play. And we already have a 2-2 two two record with two bad losses. 
How? How is that going to bode well for Cristobal? And I'm not saying that he's going to get fired after this year or the next year, but by year three, these these type of losses cannot be found anywhere on the schedule. There is no room for that. Yeah, and, and the first one, I mean, losses are not excusable, especially for a program trying to reestablish themselves, a program as historic as the University of Miami. But the first game that they lost against Texas A&M, Texas A&M just lost to App State, kind of how we just lost, you know, at their own, you know, house. And we were, we were going into their house to play them. It was a tough environment. All right. It's not, you know, not permissible, but, you know, we get what happened there. But in a game like this against Middle Tennessee State, when you're playing at home, a bounce-back game, you should have done to them more than what Texas A&M did to us because Texas A&M didn't really do much. We kind of beat ourselves. Right. And now for a second week in a row, we're beating ourselves again. No, we're just showing an inability to score the, the football. Just a complete and pure inability to score the football. And again, it goes back to like, I hate to to to, to keep harping on the kid, but TVD was the hype. What happened though? I don't know. Something is happening to him personally. There's no doubt about that. It's like beyond football at this point. It's in his mind. It's in his heart. It's in his confidence. And those things, you know, can only be resolved from within. And I hope that TVD... Outside of football, dog. Outside of football. I don't care about you in football right now when I say this. I hope that TVD can get through whatever it is he's going through because obviously it's affecting his life. You know, and he's such a, a young man that he shouldn't have to deal with that. But if you're going to play, you have to play up to your standard. And if you feel that you can't play to your standard, then do your due diligence to the team and say, you know what, coach, I can't be your guy right now because I'm not 100%. And that's okay. But if you do go out there, there's the expectation. If Mario does put him out there, there's the expectation. And that's what I'm talking about, man. Like, yo, 45 points. Most points allowed since uh, 1944 against a non-Power 5 team. 44, dog. Like, I get it. Mario, first year, coming back, getting everything situated. Okay, man. Okay. But I don't even... I don't even recognize a fight in that team. You know, I know the DBs aren't that good. I know the DBs are not that good. But where's the fight? Where's the recognition? These guys threw a 98-yard bomb on us, dog, from the two. Changed the play. They were in a run. We had them backed up into their own end zone. And the quarterback, Chase Cunningham, changed into the play and said, hey, 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 over the top because we got this guy. And you know who made that call? The coach, Rick Stockstill who played for Bobby Bowden. And guess what? We did that to Bobby Bowden. And now he was back doing it to us. Where's the recognition? The booth, Victor and the guys in the booth were saying it before the play even happened. Joe Zagaki was calling it like, oh, they, you know, they've gone deep before from the two-yard line and ba-ba-ba. And sure enough, no safety help, one-on-one with the wide receiver on the, on the outside. Of course he's going to throw that bomb because everything is going right for those guys on that day. That guy was balling out of control, bro. Second player in FBS history in the last 15 years to have at least four, uh, to have four or more passes of 65 yards or more. Damn. Got a field day. That's coaching, dog. You got out coached. You did not put the players in a position where they can do their thing. And now we have a QB controversy between Jake Garcia and TVD. Who's gonna play? We got two weeks before we face um North Carolina. I mean, this is this is kind of like deja vu, honestly, because I feel like this time last year it was the same conversation, but instead of 
you know, Jake Garcia coming in for TVD. It was TVD coming in for De'Ara King. Right. And and look, and 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 it, it took an injury to King for him to take over, right? And even when he did take over, he did what he was supposed to do. He came in and made an immediate impact. I'm playing as free as a bird. I'm going to throw the ball. I'm going to take chances. I'm going to do my thing. I don't see that same kid on the field. And let's not forget, if you're a real UN fan, you know this. There was a QB battle this offseason. For that starting spot. A real QB battle. Where it came down to like the last week. Literally the spring game where it was open practice. And Jake Garcia still looked good. And everybody around the program is really excited about this kid. So where's the separation? You know? And why we stuck with TVD when he wasn't right. Or if he if he can't go. A lot of questions. Ugly loss. And when you, ugly lose, when you lose ugly like this bro. It opens the book for everything. You know, and that's why I keep saying it. I'll say it on, on the podcast. I was texting the homies, and I even texted Vic. Crystal ball is on the hot seat. Because, yeah, it's not hot. Maybe it's not scorching hot, but everybody's looking at him now. Nationally, all the boosters that threw money at this program, right, and say, yeah, go get the coaches and all this stuff. They're looking at it like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, I don't expect us to be Clemson. <laughs> I don't expect us to be this team, this team. But we're losing like this to Middle Tennessee State. Right. That's coaching. Yeah, and we got the most expensive coaching staff. So, and it doesn't help your recruitment situation either when recruits are seeing that and they're like, "Wait a minute, hold on, is the U back, or should I just go play in the SEC?" Or am I going to be the one to change things? Right? How hard is it going to be for me to change things again, dog? It's not a good look. I get it. He signed a ten-year contract. That's all fine and dandy. But if you know anything about business, contracts get bought out all of the time. And even though it might be $600 million, $100 million, there's a billion, they find the money. Money is not the issue here. The issue is the performance. And that's what Crystal Ball is getting paid to do. He got that 10-year contract to perform. He's not going to be able to make it to 10 years if they're playing like this. And every year we suffer an ugly loss, not only to ranked opponents, but to unranked opponents at home in front of our fans. Yeah, dog. He's not going to make it that far if these keep piling the up. The only way he redeems himself, I mean, obviously, without saying it, he has to win these these games. I mean, he has to turn it around and win. He starts losing, loses everything. The only saving grace he does kind of have would be the FSU game because of the fact it's a home game late in the season. It's a rivalry. So, like, if the season is completely shit, you chalk it up to his first year. But if he goes out at the end of the season with a big victory against FSU, that might bode well for him in his future. But... After a loss like this to App State, man, I, I agree. I think that the guy's on a hot seat right now. And that's eight, crazy to say considering, you know, the contract and everything else. Eight games left, right? And you look at the next three games only, right? Uh, the next game is going to be October 8th against North Carolina on the road. Or at home, excuse me. on uh, At home. So North Carolina, who historically yep. has paid, played us tough. Last year, I think it was a three-point game. There's no guarantee in us winning that game. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. It's a 50-50. Sure. Then you go on the road to Virginia Tech another historical place for us to play at, which has always been difficult. Another 50-50 game because there's no way you feel confident about beating that team right now. And then you come back home to face Duke, another program that we've struggled with recently to beat, whether it's on the road or at home. So now these next three games are going to be tough opponents. And that's before we get to Virginia and that's before we get to Florida State and before we even get to Clemson. Where are the wins? Where Where is this team going? We're not looking as confident as we were 
zero a month ago. I'm ex- I'm I'm really really interested to see what these next two weeks look like before game day, right? Um, who's practicing? Who takes in, taking the first team snaps, right? Uh, is Restrepo gonna try to make it back earlier than expected? I don't know. Who's gonna be starting? Right, a lot of questions to shake up that defensive back room, and also to see who, uh, which wide receivers can go actually go out there and make a catch. Because even our best, most decorated pass catcher, which is Mallory, was dropping passes left and right that game. Zero type of consistency in there. Man, I don't see it going well for the Hurricanes, and that shit sucks for me to say that because I had a lot of high hopes for this year, bro. I've asked you this question before on this podcast, and I'll ask you again. Oh, we got a camera that went out, so I'll keep it here. Uh, I've asked you this before. Who's the more delusional fan right now in Miami? Is it the Dolphins fan or the Hurricanes 100% fan? hundred percent the Dolphins fan, right? Because they're winning, and it's like, we can go all the way. Super Bowl <laughs> bound. But there's no delusional Miami Hurricane fan right now. No? Hell no. Not today. Not I, would, today. I would say every Hurricane, like true Hurricanes fan, is delusional. Guess what, bro? Today, everybody got their coffee black. No sugar in Miami, bro. Everybody got their coffee black today because that's the wake-up call for all the Hurricane fans, you know? The the level of expectancy from this team with went from here to here, and now everybody's drinking this black coffee. There's no more hype for the rest of this year. And we thought that the... I like a little splash of pumpkin spice there's nothing, this time there's of nothing. year. You're not getting that. Just a little Sorry, there's, pumpkin. there's zero pumpkin spice at the University of Miami right now. All right, cool. You Good thing I'm a UCF fan. We won this weekend. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> Shout out to my Knights. Look at this guy. Hey, man. Bro. Hey, I got to represent my alma Boy, mater. If you're going to blindside me, at least tell me before the show. I got to represent my alma mater, dude, <laughs> my UCF Knights. We're not, you know, nothing nothing crazy, nothing special, but they got to win this week. Uh, I think they improved to 3-1 and one on the season after that. Uh, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. but Let's, let's see, man. Hey, bro. I mean, the, could the, be worse. The, 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 the Hurricanes lost. The Gators lost to, to yep. Tennessee. FSU won. Look nice. FSU's looking better than the Hurricanes right now. <laughs> you I think mean, we're gonna win that game at home, <laughs> bro? But I'm just saying, like that's the saving grace. It's the last game of the season. You know what I mean? Like Go. that's the saving grace. If he loses, yeah. it, that's like the, yeah, the hottest well, of the hot seats. It's a saving grace, dog. But like I said, bro, how are you gonna build into that? You know, yep. that's five games from now. You're, what's the record gonna look like? Two words. You know, Jake Garcia. Hey, shout out to my boy Joe's. Joe said it. He was like, hey, I think this is going to be the guy to start. And everything that I was seeing and reading in the preseason was like, well, no, Joe's, you know, he's definitely the future. But I, I think that TVD is the real deal. And now look at us right now in the future where Jay Garcia is probably taking over that spot. Look at uh, us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, man? Uh, $1.5 million we gave those guys to come down here and Crazy. kick our ass, bro. Crazy, man. App State and Middle Tennessee, they're just making killings this year, beating these ranked opponents. At least the, hey, at least the Hurricanes put up 31 points, you know? At least. Because we couldn't even score a touchdown the last game against Texas A&M. So. Nah, yeah, that was brutal. Let's see what happens against North Carolina, like I said, October 8th. Well, the good news is... Basketball season is in right around getting, the corner. It's right around the corner. It's almost in full swing. We had media day. We Hockey. got preseason coming around. Hockey's coming around. Panthers actually won their preseason game today. Pretty oh, dope. right on! I didn't even know that. Yes, sir. I saw uh, the media day. Jimmy addressed you know his, hair. his dreads and his hair. What, I got to ask you. I've been wanting to ask you. What's your take on the dude's hair? Uh, I think that he's just trolling. You know. He said that. He he definitely said that he wanted to upset the internet. But what is your take on the dude's hair? The, my take is that it looks super weird. It looks weird, man. I hate it. 
I freaking hate it. Yeah, it looks weird, man. Jimmy's always had that same like haircut, like the up, you know what I mean? Like it's not a flat top, it's kind of like that messy. Homie, he can grow his hair, dog. If you want to grow it, grow it. But like, bro, why why are you rocking those extensions and shit, dog? But I feel him though. Like it's a complete distraction from the season and how things ended for him and shit like that. So I get why he wanted to do that. And same thing for the Panthers, right? Like they're kind of keeping it hush hush when it comes to media and how they're getting into the preseason swing because they had a lot of you know disappointments on how their season ended right both of those teams uh added some pieces some major pieces some small pieces but a lot, a lot to look forward to speaking of adding pieces uh rumor the other day was jay crowder might have an interest in coming back to miami a lot of people would like to yeah. see that i know you would i would love to see that man i really enjoyed having jay crowder on our team he was really dependable as a defensive guy and he could play offensive side really well i mean yeah. he's a three-point shooter so uh, who doesn't like a good two-way guy he really fit in with that heat culture what do you what do you think have you heard anything about that i wouldn't mind bringing him back i really wouldn't right um but at the expense of who one guy that I want to see play more this year is Omar Yurtsevin, right? Big Yurts. Um, because I want to see him play at the five with Bam playing at the four and us be big on teams, you know, and, and, and really force them to play a smaller guy on Bam who can't cover him while we got the big guy taking care of business down low. But a guy like Jake Crowder would definitely add to this team. Just uh, like I said, at the expense of whose minutes, right? Because right now we got our rotation close to pretty down, like being down pat. So uh, I think the reunion is probably being worked on on the low, low. Hopefully he comes, man. I would like to see it. Why not? It'd be a good addition. You know, a small ball four, big three that we can have. Why not, man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. So let's see. Now it's time to kick it to the interview that I had with Frank from the unofficial Bengals podcast up in Cincinnati. And he and I got to chat for a couple of minutes and preview this Thursday's game between the Dolphins and the Bengals. Enjoy, y'all. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy, So-So, and it's time to get into this Bengals pregame. Right now, I have my main man, Frank, joining us from the unofficial Bengals podcast. Frank, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, So-So. Great to be on the show. Thank you so much, man, for being on with us today, man, to get into this Dolphins-Bengals preview. Um, real quick, before we get into it, let the people know where they can find all of your amazing posts and edits on their, about the Bengals. Uh, thank you. The name of my podcast is called The Unofficial Bengals Podcast, and you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Cincy Bengals Pod. Yeah, go check my man out, man. Uh, I listened to a, a couple of your episodes before we got on here, and you seem to know the Bengals in and out. Big time fan, been covering the team, I bet, for a long time. Tell me how you think how the Bengals are doing this season, starting off on the wrong foot going 0-2, but getting a big victory this weekend over the Jets. Yeah, I'll tell you, we both know when you have, when you go 0-2, I mean, the big stat is it's tough to make the playoffs. When you go 0-3, you're really climbing a mountain here. Right. And yeah, the offensive line has been a liability and Joe Burrow's been running for his life. Like literally the ball's hiked and he's got people like a jailbreak coming from everywhere. So, you know, the people that aren't watching the games might be like, oh, you know, Burrow's, maybe the Burrow magic ran out. He's not having a good year. Not really true. Like this week, they finally gave him some protection and the Jets pass rush isn't as good as as the Steelers or the Cowboys with Mike right. Parsons so Burrow was looking like his normal self so it, it's obvious that it was a function of the offensive line and lastly the first two games as bad as we played we came within a missed kick of winning the first game sure. you know 
Burrow leads him back at the end. Big magic there. And long snappers hurt. We have some complications. We missed that. So that was this close to being a victory. Same thing with the Cowboys game. We, we had the ball at the end. It would have been a matter of running out the clock, going into overtime. Right. Unfortunately, we couldn't do that. So even though you see the two ugly losses to two teams that we probably should have beaten, they were just it was just a matter of one play here and there. And then we finally got back on track against the Jets. And I'll say, you know, basically saved the season at this point. No, definitely. I can see why you feel like that. And you made a great point about the offensive line, right? Because we have that in common where both of our teams offensive line have had a lot of questions around them, um, some key injuries and key positions on the offensive line. So it's hard to have our big time hopeful quarterbacks, right? Uh, produce and and be consistent and have some type of actual consistency you, you can't make throws if you're if you're not standing up or if you're running for your life on every down right like we've seen it with Tua uh we see we saw it in those first two games with the Bengals how Burrow hasn't been his normal self like you said and um those key injuries that you mentioned on the offensive line they've been kind of hitting us in the in the offensive line too how do you think you guys are going to be able to bounce back um or at least confront the Dolphins defensive line because I think it might be one of the best you faced this season. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at that Dolphins defense and there's not a lot of big names. You know, Ingram's putting up a very good year. You got Agba and those guys. Wilkins on the inside, obviously, yeah. Xavier Howard. So I guess there are some big names, but they're more of a unit that just is well-coached and plays together. And, you know, you just have role players that seem to do the job for you. So, I mean, there's a lot of strategies on, on how to attack a team like like the Dolphins, and it's going to be a jailbreak on Joe Burrow for a lot of the game. So it's going to have to be quick passes. It's going to have to be mm. get the ball to mix, and it's going to have to be running back passes. And the big thing that I've been pushing for the first two weeks that they weren't doing a lot is rolling Burrow out. Like, get him, don't have him just sitting back there, and everybody knows exactly where he is. You know, well, he's such a right. target, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, you know, the, the non-Bengal fan doesn't see Burrow on a daily basis, but he's got very good movement skills. True. I, I, I call him slippery. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the best adjective that I can describe. He's always slipping underneath and out of tackles. And even in this game, they rolled him out left one time, and he's just totally poised, throwing across the body, no problems. So the rollouts are going to work really well, along with the other stuff that I described. Yeah, that's a great point, man. And um, I think we've seen the Miami Dolphins' success on offense have to do a little bit with that rolling tool out, right? Whether it's to his power arm, his left hand, right? Where he can make the throws that he's used to making either in college, high school, and now in the NFL, and just making it a lot easier. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I know that we're suffering down here as Dolphins fans with our running game. We seem to have two talented backs back there in the backfield um, between Chase uh, Edmonds and um, Raheem Mostert. And we're not getting enough runs. And I don't know if it's because it's the O-line not playing well or if it's a lack of commitment to the running game. Joe Mixon, one of my favorite players, a fantasy stud, um, he hasn't really uh, kicked off this season like a lot of Bengals fans and, and people who have him have expected. What do you think is the key to get him going? Because he's such a weapon for you guys on top of the wide receivers that you guys have. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, and you look at Mixon on a, on a play-by-play -play basis, and it's the same thing, and I hate to keep going back to the offensive line. There's not a lot of holes to work with, and mm. even some of the yardage that he's getting, he's running into a hole, there's nothing there, and he's cutting it back across and finding an open an open hole, an open spot, and getting yardage that way. But I think the real, I mean, you, you want to, 
feed them early and often. You, like a lot of teams, they'll abandon the run game if it's not working right, right away. So, you know, you kind of have to stick with it, especially against a team like you guys that has a, a pretty high-powered offense. We want to keep the ball. And another thing that you can do to involve Nixon is, is get him involved in the passing game and throw him the ball. And he's been pretty good out of the backfield in that capacity. Yeah, he's been great, man. As as far as being a receiving back, those guys are harder and harder to find nowadays because, you know, they're not as specialized as they were back in the days in, in like the early 2000s. Um, so he's definitely a big time player. I wanted to talk about the three guys that you have that catch the ball a little bit more than he does. We're talking about Chase. We're talking about T. Higgins and we're talking about Tyler Board. Um, you have three of the most dynamic wide receiver uh, in the game right now, right? And we have two of them down here in Waddle and, and Hill, right? And we see how, how good and how deadly that combination can be. Um, just talk to me about how you see that trio as a fan and when those guys are healthy and lining up and getting those matchups, how scary it can be for opposing teams. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and prior to doing that, I do want to give props to your guys because I, I looked at the numbers, the stats for the Dolphins right before I came online and um, Waddle and Hill, they're getting like all the receptions. So yeah, you're, you're getting a taste of having two really elite wide receivers and you're seeing what it can do. There's yeah, you know, Miami at 3-0, and Miami beating Buffalo, Miami a, th a threat to beat anybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going into this game with full confidence that the Bengals are going to win. You know, it's it. You know, you it's have a taste of that. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. So going back to the guys, all three of them bring a different skill set. You know, you have Boyd as the slot guy. He does a lot of work in the middle of the field. Right. And you have Higgins as your outside tall receiver making the big jump balls, getting open deep on, on like long slants. He converts a lot of first downs. And then you have Jamar Chase, who's right there in the conversation with Tyreek Hill. He's just he just does everything right i mean he he's fast he's strong he's like a running back in the open field yep. i know the the casual fan likes to play on the drops that he had coming up in the league but he has excellent hands he makes big catches and, uh, too yeah in the super bowl two against ramsey there was that one diving catch that you see video of a lot right but um he, he's truly dynamic and i i, I get the feeling mm. that you're going to have howard follow him all over the field I, I guess that would be the bet for this week yeah I but think then Go ahead. Oh, but I'm going to say, but then you might have Nick Needham on Higgins, and that's a little shaky. <laughs> super shaky. You know, super shaky. That's like, I think that's where the game is going to be won right there, right? It, it, how how many times can the Dolphins defensive backs hang with the guys that they're going to be matched up against and make a play when they need to make a play, right? Uh, yeah, you're going to get beat on Thursday by T. Higgins, Boyd, and Chase at any point in the game. Are you going to be able to defend the big play, right, and keep those guys from having a 60-yard catch, 50-yard catch? Because we saw it get, burn us a little bit against the Bills. We definitely saw it burn us against the Ravens, and the Patriots tried to take advantage of that as well with Devontae Parker. Um, it's so crazy that there's going to be so much speed. And you mentioned Jamar Chase. Um, he was picked in the same draft as Waddle, right, and Devontae Smith. And all three of those guys are blowing up on the NFL scene right now, probably the three brightest futures when you look at wide receivers and it's crazy that two of them are going to be matched up on thursday yeah without a doubt and waddle's going to be dangerous too i mean it's amazing that you have two guys that are that fast and you had parker too coming into the year i don't know what happened but when i saw it on paper early i was like throw him in that mix those are three of the fastest receivers in the game i know it didn't work out with him but you know you have a bunch of other guys and i'm, I'm a real big gasicki fan too yeah. he's, he's from new jersey 
and from I'm from like the Jersey Shore area, and he's a little bit south of me, but you know, same neck of the woods almost. Nice. And uh, I'm I'm seeing that they're not targeting him that much. Like it's like it's the Hill and Waddle show, and and he's such a weapon. Well, I feel like they're using him more to block now, right? And before he was all offense, all wide receiver, all routes all the time. Now he's doing a little bit more of 60-40, 50-50, that dirty work. But I think that he is a big target for for Tua, especially in the red zone, right? Because we saw it um, last week where, not this Sunday, but the previous Sunday against the Ravens where he went up and made a big catch, right? Damn near by the field goal post and brought it down. Um, two guys that I think are stepping up that led to the reason uh, that Devontae Parker was let go is um, Sheffield, right? He, the emergence of number 14, Sheffield. He's been playing really well, making some big catches. And uh, the wide receiver slash tight end, uh, Carcraft. That's two e weeks in a row where he catches a touchdown. Craigcraft, uh, excuse me. Two weeks in a row where he catches a touchdown in the red zone from Tua. Um, a big body, big target. Those are, I think, those are the guys that I think are probably going to make the play because you guys have a real good defense there when you guys are really getting after the quarterback. And we've seen that the offensive line can give up those sacks against those tougher defensive linemen like you guys have. Yeah, and you built your offensive line too. You have, you know, you have Eichenberg, who's a high draft pick. You, you bring in Connor Williams. I know your right guard's playing really excellently right now. Yeah, Robert Hunt. Uh, he got hurt kind of this past game too. Oh, uh, okay. So that, that actually bodes well for us. Absolutely. But, but yeah, on the, on paper, I'm like they have a very good offensive line, and they and they invested in it the proper way. But I guess you know you're seeing the games every play of the game, so you would know better than me. Right. Let me ask you a question. Um, what do you think is going to be the key matchup or the key thing that either team that the Bengals are going to have to do in order to give their Dolphins their first loss this Thursday? I think it's going to be protect Burrow and involve Chase. Mm. You know, Mixon is obviously the big wild card there. If they can right. get Mixon going, it'll open up everything. So that's really the key to it. But I I just, I'm, I'm a little bit of a homer when it comes to it, but I'm like, if you let Burrow do his thing and have just a little bit time to throw, he's going to win games. So that's yeah. really the, the mindset I'm going in. I know it's not too deep of a dive into it, but protect Joe Burrow, you're going to put up a lot of points. I think so too, man, because you guys have shown that before, right? When he can stand up, especially in the playoffs, when you guys made that playoff run, you guys kept him standing for a lot of the time, and he was able to make big throws consistently. And that's kind of what my fear is, right, as far as the matchup goes this Thursday. Uh, can the DBs make plays against Burrow, right? We know that the D-line is going to be able to get some pressure on him, maybe knock him down a couple of times, but we need to be able to come up with a turnover because one of those three targets are going to be open on every play, and those guys can and take it to the house on us man yeah that that is the deal with the Bengals. it's like pick your poison and, and people that play fantasy it's kind of tough to i mean you, yeah. you usually want to take chase as the number one receiver for the Bengals, but it's like any given day can be anybody's game like one like this last game it happened to be a tyler boyd game where he had a breakout so true, true. it's very hard to figure out which Bengal receiver is going to have the big day that day hey maybe this week all three of them if, if all goes right hopefully not but now i'm going <laughs> to give you the chance to give me an obvious prediction how do you see thursday going out well to backtrack one second i'm worried about Tua. like mm. i when when he went down he hit his head hard. He, he gets did. up, he's shaking off the cobwebs, and then he has that one, like, you know, body stumble. jerk. Yeah. No, and then it I'm was a stumble. It wasn't a body jerk. He definitely stumbled. Yeah, like a, a, like that, the concussion, that, like, electric charge went through him, and he just, you know, lost control of himself for a second. 
And then I'm hearing people, well, it, it, was, it was a back injury. That's what it was a spasm. And I just hate when they paint it that way because right. concussions are, are really serious. Yeah. You know, we know that. I mean, it's us watching the game. Oh, he's out of the game. Fine. We move on to the next guy. But that stuff, too many of them start piling up and that lingers for the rest of your life. And they just put Tua right back into that game. And you know that he's going to be lining up snap number one against the Bengals this Absolutely. Thursday night. So, you know, just out of respect for your guy, I, I just I don't like it. I mean, of course, I want to see Tua sit so the Bengals benefit. But really, <laughs> as a human being, I, I want to see him sit because he's not ready to come back after he can't be ready to come yeah, back. That quickly. Well, I will say this, right, because I, I kind of sort of agree with you where it's kind of to have that quick turnaround to play or start a football game might be too soon. You know, but I think it bold. It looked good for him that um, he went into the half and he actually got a full half time to have them check out. You know, ask him where he is, run the protocol, and there were a lot of questions being asked about the protocol. And I'm sure the Dolphins are going to be fined in some way somehow for like cutting corners, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but at least it wasn't like, man, we saw him get the crap knocked out of him. And then two plays later, he was right back in, you know, it did take some, uh, he got half time. He was able to come out, uh, get some reps in before he went out there and, and he looked okay to finish the game. But yeah, his, his, his health is always a question in this game, in this game. Right. So now we know that he can possibly have another head injury that could be possibly more severe, um, not allow him to come back. If he ha suffers another concussion in this game or gets hit, it's it's a it's a touch and go situation, I would say, with Tua. But if he's available, and I'm sure he's a gamer, right, and he wants to come in and play, I think he's a full goal. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So to answer the other part of your question, the the game itself, this is a little bit of a tough game for you guys. You know, you're yeah. coming off a, a big emotional victory against Buffalo, and often there's a letdown. Always. The Bengals have started off kind of mediocre, so. People aren't looking at them the same way as they did late last year when they were really one of the best teams in the league. And on top of it, it's it's our home game. We're introducing the white uniforms for yes. the first time. Everyone's all jacked so up sweet. about it. So sweet, those uniforms. They look good. So and, sweet. Um, they're doing the Ring of Honor celebration at halftime. So it's like nice. a big Bengals celebration festival at night. So it's a little bit tough, more of a tougher environment than normal to go in there on this, like, celebratory night for the Bengals and the Bengals do play well in the Andy Dalton days we couldn't win a primetime game we couldn't win a playoff game there was just something about him that melted right Burrow and Chase are the opposite when Those the lights go on for it they play better and that's the sign of a good player yeah so I I think that when I first was was thinking of the score I was thinking maybe like a 34 31 Bengals a big shootout and stuff but sometimes it doesn't doesn't go that way, especially maybe two is a little off. Your your defensive front is really good. Maybe Burrow's just not sitting back there picking apart everything. Right. I'll never bet against the Bengals, so I'm gonna go 24-21 Cincinnati. That's a that's you know a solid breakdown and excellent points, right? If Tua can, you know, if his if he is inaccurate, then the score is definitely gonna be a lot lower, right? And if the defensive line does its job for the defense for the Dolphins, then they're gonna make it hard for Burrow to do his thing. And I think the you know, the game is gonna come down to coaching, right? Who can out coach who and and run better plays, get the running game going. For me, I, I see it being low scoring too. Something like 27-24, 24-21, something in that range where it doesn't get too out of control. But the team who can execute cleanly down the second half, definitely going to win that game. 
Yeah, agreed. And we're both stocked with talent. Yep. You know, we both were kind of in the lower half of the league for a while, and that enables you to get all these draft picks, high yep. draft picks. And look, you got your franchise quarterback, you got your franchise wide receiver. You did great in free agency. You know, it's solid you're, you're defenses. A, yeah, yeah. You're a, you're a team on the rise. We're a team on the rise. It's it's really an excellent matchup. And being a Bengal fan, now we're looking up at people that were now that we're one and two. So this is a good chance to knock off the only undefeated team in the AFC. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. It's going to be a great game on Thursday, Frank. Um, again, bro, I want to thank you so much for coming on and doing this with us. Hopefully, we'll be able to do another dolphins Bengals preview for the playoffs, right? That, sh I love that should it. be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> tell the people one more time where they can find all your social media and check out your amazing podcast about the Bengals. The unofficial Bengals podcast is the name of the show, at Cincy Bengals Pod on social media. It was a pleasure so, so, Joel. I know you're behind the scenes, but pleasure working with both of you guys. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely, Frank. Can't wait to do it again, man. You take care. Thanks again. Cheers. Later. I hope you guys enjoyed that that interview. I definitely did. Joel and I had a great time talking to Frank. Shout out to him and the Unofficial Bengals podcast. Make sure to check him out on all those social media. And it's time for you guys to tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend about this amazing podcast and what we got going on. OnlyFans, uh, preview from other states and other teams, new equipment, new angles. Like, we're killing it out here. And we got some more interviews lined up with some other teasers. But until next time, y'all, peace. peace.